Greetings, programs, and welcome back to a very special episode uh, of the Awesome Friday Podcast. This is our bonus Sundance Film Festival recap, and joining me, Matthew, I'm Matthew, hi, uh, today is Rachel Ho, who is basically just on the team now. I don't, I don't really hey. feel comfortable calling you a guest anymore, Rachel. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. Glad to join the team. Um, yeah. I'm glad that, you know, I, we already, it feels like a little while ago that I recorded with Simon, but it feels like family. It's like, yeah, it's cool. Right? Yeah. We're good. You just, yeah. Like, it's, you're here often enough now that, um, yeah, I think you're just on the team. Like, if we had bios on the website, I would just add your bio, but we don't actually oh. have that. So. Oh, you should have bios on your website. Why don't you have bios on your website? Oh, it's mostly because I've been really lazy about the website. Fair enough. I mean, there's no, there's no joke there. It's just I've been really lazy about the website. I get it. Uh, I've all my website is is me posting links to things that I've done. I don't do anything beyond that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, run managing a website is tedious. There's no getting around it, even even when you enjoy doing it, which I honestly generally do. Um. But yeah, it's tedious. You sent me a thing. It was like a game, and I feel like I was like, "Oh, you you enjoy building websites or like building something online." I mean, that's what you do for a living, to be fair. Oh yeah, I sent you my like movie trivia game, didn't I? Yeah, which I smashed it. By the way, I did really well. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> I don't think I ended I up telling to... you that. I think I just did it, and I went, "Well done, Rachel," and then just yeah. moved on. Yeah, I need to uh, finish and like publish that in a bigger way because uh, I think it was a pretty good idea. It's fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, we both attended um, the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, this was my first year uh, attending the Sundance Film Festival. Is this, What year is it for you? Two. Second year. I, was, I did it last year. Uh, online, obviously. And mm-hmm. then... Well, not obviously. Actually, last year was the year that they thought they were going to be able to go back in person. And then... I think literally weeks before um, they had to cancel and go back. So this year was the first year they went back in person. I did not go in person. Neither did you. We did not go to Utah this year. Um, no, we definitely had some. Year. We definitely had some mutuals who went in person. Those yes, those yes. jerks. Um, yeah. I enjoyed was watching their their pictures. Like it's Thomas went. I think Taylor yeah. went. Did he go? Thomas and Taylor yeah. and uh, Marty from their crew as well. Um, oh, all wet, with Marty. and they—they're uh, um, just a bunch of jerks for going. And yeah. I say that from a place of love and jealousy, not actual resentment. Just for clarity's sake. Uh, oh, I have cause... a bit of resentment. I resent them a little bit for being like, <laughs> having fun in Utah. It's fine, whatever. But um, yeah, I, I'd love to go though. It looks like a really cool festival to actually be there in person. And it's like it's such a—it's a cool one because it's got. A good amount of history and stuff like that i think i'm a bit um what's the word i'm a bit spoiled i suppose because i'm in toronto and because tiff is here so i'm always like well i have at least one that i know i will always go to in person if they have it in person because yeah. i'm right here um so and then i don't really think about well thomas he came to tiff and he goes he went to sundance mm-hmm. my guess is is if he were able to go to like can and venice and berlin like he would in a minute he would just jump on a plane and do it but i think I in think my if... head i'm like well i got a big one that i can go to so why am i going to the other one which is terrible i shouldn't think that way yeah 
Thomas uh, definitely has the the hustle down, and you're right. I think honestly, if 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 the opportunity for him to attend any of the like big European festivals came up, I 100% believe he would do that, and I would Absolutely. be jealous the whole time. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you know, here in Vancouver, we have uh, we have a couple of film festivals. Uh, the biggest one being Vancouver International, but it doesn't quite have the prestige level that like the Sundance or TIFF or I mean, most of the other ones that I've, big ones that I've covered have only ever been uh, virtually like, uh, like Tribeca and Fantasia mm. and Festival de Nouveau Cinema, which are also out of Montreal. Like I've covered a lot of festivals over the last few years and it's always been from the comfort of my home. Uh, which isn't a bad thing. I'm, I'm a big proponent of festivals continuing with a virtual component for press because well, actually, not just for press. I think for everybody. Why not? Like, why are we? Why not allow people who live in faraway places who might not have the money because it's expensive. Jeez, I like looked up flights to go to Utah and then like accommodation. It was really like it wasn't cheap to do all that. Um, so I I think it would be nice if everybody could keep it going. But it does seem like they're trying to push towards everyone going back to in person. Yeah, I know. I know some of the regional controls because uh, I, I spoke with um, a couple years ago. I spoke with the uh, Curtis Bullishuk, who's the basically the guy at Biff. He's I think his title is is associate program or something, but he's like the guy in charge of programming. And I was like, why is it that like people outside of BC can't watch Biff yeah. virtually? Yeah, and yeah. and the answer is actually pretty much a business decision. Um, it's because if you can watch a movie online at VIF in September and you live in Calgary, you might not go to SIF. Yeah, it's true. And, that, and that's, and that's they, it. And that's the whole thing. They just want to create I, that attraction that like a movie that plays at Sundance that like regular Canadians can't watch when that film eventually comes to their local film festival, they will go to their local film festival. I like, I like regular Canadians. <laughs> Yes. The the normie Canadian. The, the normies, there, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, I remember seeing there was um was it the St. John's Festival? Like one of the maritime those guys over out east. Um yeah. they had the same thing and I remember seeing like they they bubble them though, just as during COVID they were bubbles, but they say like you can't watch it outside the maritime provinces and I was like, Oh, that's kind of surprising. But I do get that. Like it does make sense because there's only so many movies to go around every year. So yeah, why not? Just especially when it comes to well, okay, between Calgary and Edmonton, how do they do it then? Do they Oh, I have no idea. I wonder if they geo you can't geo block to within Alberta. That's kind of nuts. But then they would just cannibalize each other basically. Interesting. I think I don't know, I'm not that up later. That's, that's I'm not 100% sure, but I think the way that Edmonton and Calgary do it is I, th I think that they're at different times. Uh, but then whoever know. goes first has a clear advantage unless they work together to be like we're going to parse out the movies because i don't think their festivals are as long as a vif or a tiff i think they're no and i think order. and there's definitely films that premiere later in the year so like if one is yeah. early in the year and one is late then they would have a different selection too but but yeah the short answer to all of this is basically that it's always you know festivals are great celebrations of the arts and mm -hmm. also business ventures that need to make money so the answer is, uh, you know, to quote Stanley Hudson from The Office, money. The answer is money. <laughs> In a way, though, it's kind of like a very nice Canadian politeness, too, of being like, we are going to just 
only you guys have this you we have that and like it's actually a very (laughs) it's actually kind of polite the way that they do it because Vif could just be like you know what we don't really care like let's just do and then everyone can come through and watch whatever like you know and and they could just do it that way like um what is it Cinefest said Sudbury in Ontario like they go right after TIFF like they're literally days after TIFF they start their programming and they carry a decent amount of TIFF movies but mm-hmm. they're Ontario only. So it's like if they had just said we're just going to do the country then and it's online then yep. the entire country is kind of screwed. So actually I'm not going to say it's I'm going to go the other way. It's not money grubbing. I'm going to say it's it's polite Canadians <laughs> just saying you know there's room for those, everybody, you guys, room for all of us. Those two things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. That's true. I, I'm sure. I feel like when Rogers and Bell and those guys meet, and like all the big banks when they meet together, they're like, "We're just being really polite Canadians." Oh yeah, like, we're just helping each other, and we're we're making we're tons of money in the name of politeness. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just talking to a friend about all of these. We're not going to get into that because it's nothing to do with movies. But I was just really annoyed that like Canada's run by like what five families. I mean, yeah, we're we're a country of oligopolies. It's a it's a real discussion that is beyond the scope of this podcast for sure. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely a thing. It is made for a very um, interesting dinner conversation. So this is this was my first Sundance. I applied for accreditation last year, and they were like, "Sorry, no," um, but apply next year. And then this year, they emailed me, and they were like, "Hey, just want to give you a heads up, accreditation's coming up." And if you wanted to apply, uh, we would be receptive to that. And I was like, oh, okay. So I applied and I got in. Uh, and this is your second. So my, Sorry, yeah. before you continue, if they yeah. hadn't emailed you, would you have applied anyways? Um, so I have a lot of personal life stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't, yeah. I don't actually know that I would have. Interesting. I've been having to make a lot of interesting choices in my life the last couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, what I settled on was I set a pretty strict limit of how many films I was going to be able to watch to sort of like balance things out Right. Fair uh, between, you know, cause I, it, this honestly, like film festivals are a thing that I used to just like for VIF every year, I used to just take two weeks of holiday and just watch all the movies. And I could very easily have done that this time too, but I have other things I need to be taking care of. So I just set a limit that I would see. You know, six six or seven films, um, a hard limit of six or seven, and uh, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, that's what I did. And uh, and honestly, if they hadn't emailed me, I was sort of on the fence. But as soon as they were like, "Hey, we just want to let you know that accreditation's coming up," I was like, "Okay, you're not exactly inviting me, but it's interesting that you're letting me know, so I'm going to apply." It's the Lloyd Christmas. Person- so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Because it wasn't like a group email either. Like a publicist email no, from yeah. Sundance emailed me to be like, hey, like accreditation's coming up. I mean, not to make you feel unspecial, but yeah, I got the same email from me. Yeah. Hey, just to let you know. So, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm, I am the smallest fish in our particular barrel. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But uh, it just—it felt nice that they invited me, and then I was like, "Okay, fine, I will apply." And then I did, thinking they're probably going to say no. And then when I got in, I was like, "Oh, I guess I'm going. I guess I'm watching Sundance." So yeah, it was all—it was all very, just very nice, actually. I, I very much enjoyed the process, and then it was super interesting seeing like all of our 
you know, people that I know, and I'm sure you know as well, being like, I got into Sundance. And then people who are like, I didn't get into Sundance. Yeah, and me being like, up. how did I get in? And you didn't get in. But anyway, it's definitely and some people with larger audiences than, than me definitely didn't make it. So I find that I very think, interesting. I mean, I, I don't want <clears throat> to be clear. I do not speak from any internal knowledge at Sundance or anything like that. But my guess is like, I think that they like to diversify who they're giving access to, like bigger people, smaller people yada 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 but um the thing i found interesting was people saying when when the wave of people on twitter being like oh it looks like i'm going to sundance this year and then a bunch of people being like oh, i didn't hear anything i guess i'm not going then two weeks later they're like oh i guess i am going because mm-hmm. sundance just emailed me and there's one of my <laughs> colleagues over at that shelf she was like saying i guess i didn't get in because a, a bunch of us were like yeah i'm covering and she goes i guess i didn't get it and i go just wait you might get it because i've seen other people getting it delayed and then sure enough yeah. two weeks later she's like right i just got an email i'm in i'm like it's so weird it's very strange the way that they did that yeah that was me too actually the first round of people who got in i was like i i like had no expectations so <clears throat> when i saw a bunch of our mutuals be like i'm going to sundance i was like i haven't heard anything but no news <laughs> is good news it's not a no it's not yeah. yet a no so i'm just gonna not worry about it <laughs> And uh, yeah, like two or like two or three weeks later, I got the email on. Yeah, and I'm happy I did. I saw I saw a number of good films, um, and it's just nice to see good films early in the year, which is yeah. kind of a terrible way to frame that. But there's well, good that's films like all Sundance's year long. Sundance's thing, though, isn't it? Sundance's thing is being the kickoff to what is going to come for the year, and hopefully, it's good stuff. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, exactly. Not, but yeah, hopefully, there's like a pile of good movies yeah and i also like that you know uh tiff is obviously one where there's a lot of big premieres Mm -hmm. uh but Mm -hmm. vif is one where like uh here in vancouver there's not usually there's usually a few like canadian world premieres yeah um but most of the rest of the premieres are like north american premieres or canadian premieres of stuff that has done well or maybe not well elsewhere so it's also nice to just be i find it really interesting to be at a festival like this one or the other big one that i some cover most years now is tribeca which does have a lot of world premieres and you just have like no idea what you're about to watch and i find that really refreshing as a person who you know most of the time has a pretty good idea what the movies are going to be going in because there's buzz one way or the other so i really enjoy i really enjoyed sundance because i literally had no idea about any of the films I was going to watch before I watched them. Yeah. Except true. except yeah. maybe Infinity Pool, which people were already talking about before it was even out because it just looked fucked up. Yeah, I mean, that one was weird because it literally had its theatrical release on Friday. Like, it came out in the middle of Sundance. Or, I'm sorry, right at the end of Sundance, I suppose. But, um, you know... You well, and even it's... Just- even his Sundance premiere was like the Tuesday and then it came out for the world yeah. on Friday. Like it was a very yeah. short window. Cause usually a theatrical release will be months down the line, but um, Brandon Cronenberg had already secured neon um, for his distrib- distribution. So I mm-hmm. guess they were going for the January, but yeah, it kind of made for a bit of a strange, like is this, it's kind of part of Sundance, but it's also just its actual release. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I think that was the only one that some people had already talked about or like american press might have seen it last week um Mm -hmm. 
to get ready for the junkets and things like that. So there was a little bit, but everything else, yeah, you kind of had to guess, which is an interesting exercise to do when you're trying to pick like things that you think might be a big hit later down the line, um, which is a terrible game to try to play. But uh, yeah, because you don't normally, I don't know. Yeah, and it's also more difficult um, to make those guesses at a festival like Sundance where 90% of it is super indie. And yeah. doesn't have a doesn't have a huge like, you know, at the the Tiffs and the Venices and the Berlin Alleys of the world, uh, you know, big movies with huge names are debuting, and so you can kind of be like, oh, I recognize all these names. That'll probably be up my street. Whereas at uh, at Sundance uh, or even again like Tribeca or something like Fantasia, like not necessarily the case. <laughs> but but it's interesting though because you I, you say that it's like. Last year, I'd say, um, was that movie Fresh came out at uh, Sundance last year. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it and thinking, this is going to be a huge movie because it's Sebastian Stan, it's Daisy Edward Jones. It's a great movie, also. I was like, this is going to be a lot of buzz. And then we talked about it when I was on with you and Simon afterwards. Like, it just, nothing happened with it. And that was simply because they shafted it to Hulu and nothing yeah. really came from it. And you're like, God, that's so disappointing because that should have been such a big movie. And then yep. you have other movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once debuted at South by Southwest last year. Like that's where it came out. And I don't I, I kind of assumed it was going to be a big movie for at least my people's. But I didn't know if it was because it's a weird movie. Who knew that it was going to blow up the way that it did? And then you say something like Fantasia, that movie Skinamarink mm-hmm. just went bananas. And that came out at Fantasia. So sometimes it happens. Very few and far between it happens. But like it's kind of nice when it does. And like Skinamarink was one that I watched it and freaked me out. And then it's made over, I think it's made like one and a half million now at the box office, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely films from any festival can blow up. But if you had told me, if you told like the average moviegoer that like, Oh yeah, the guys who made the Harry Potter farting corpse movie had made a new movie with Michelle. <laughs> Yo, I don't think that's going to have as big of a splash with people who aren't. Yep. Paying attention like you and I do, so like it's the the, pre- the prediction is not them. there. It's not there. No, I saw an interview with them, and they were just kind of like, "We are as surprised as anybody else that this movie is like in awards contention." Like they thought we made a movie that we liked, but their movies are weird, you know. Like that's kind of their thing. And then they were saying like, if we thought we were trying to aim for for an awards contender, like we wouldn't have included a movie with like butt plugs in it like that's just not what we would have done <laughs> yeah but it's, but it's so true like if they were actually looking to do oscar bait movies like they wouldn't have made everything everywhere all at once surely not that movie um but you yeah you just never know and like like i said like fresh was a movie i genuinely thought that that would be such a huge hit and just nothing, yeah nothing came of it it is so tough to predict just because i feel like anything that goes straight to streaming uh yeah. and netflix is probably the I would say the the biggest offender yeah. in this way, just maybe just because they're the biggest target still, but like they debut a movie and it's popular for a weekend and then the algorithm just buries it. And like, yeah. it's not like there's not like posters everywhere. I mean, even Apple TV plus does a better job of like, there were, I don't know about Toronto, but there were spirited posters all over this city for really? weeks ahead of time. And for weeks after it came out, you never see that for Netflix. All they care no. about is that first weekend. But Apple also like comes out with like commercial, like they just like the Timmy Chalamet just did one, and then um, 
somebody else did one with Apple. I can't remember. But Apple's quite, I mean, they're, they're Apple, right? So they're quite good with their marketing. Like, I, it doesn't surprise me as much. It surprises me more that Netflix is so bad at marketing than it is that Apple is good at marketing. Because Netflix at this That's point fair. should probably learn, learn their um, thing. But I, I was going to say, Fresh was the other, um, the other one from last year was Good Luck, Good Luck Leo Grand, Grand? Or Good Luck to You Leo Grand. Yeah. And that was an Emma Thompson movie. And straight to Amazon. In that. So I think that was another Hulu one. It just went straight to Hulu. And I was like, what's Hulu oh. doing? Like, what? Yeah, it's uh, it was it's Amazon day. Prime here in Canada. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's interesting. Oh. Uh, well, so it's interesting because um, since uh, before Disney bought Fox. Uh, their film rights were mostly going to Amazon Prime in Canada, and I think that right, that deal yeah. basically hasn't expired. So, so anything still that they've some things that were getting caught underneath it, yeah, basically. So, like, yeah, good luck to you, Leo Grand is on Amazon Prime here in Canada, but um, and uh, that one with um, was it last year or the year before, like with Lupita Nyongo, where she's a school teacher and all the children become zombies. That was a Hulu original in the States and it was an Amazon prime movie here. And it was an Amazon prime movie, like three months later here too. Like we got a delayed release. Yeah. And, and like both those movies though, I thought were great. And yeah. I know Emma Thompson got nominated for a golden globe, but if they had put that out in theaters, I actually think she would have gotten more talk for awards and things like that. I don't think fresh necessarily would have been an awards contender, but like, I think it could have made a good amount of money in theaters and people would have talked about it a lot. I think it definitely would have been like a genre favorite. Yeah, and um, a Sebastian Stan, like people love the guy, so they do. They really do. Although I've been um, seeing some backlash on him recently because of uh, Pam and Tommy, people aren't really feeling him the way that he was like doing the publicity for for Pam and Tommy. Apparently, I don't know. Uh, I haven't I seen might that. Have just stumbled not... upon like one tweet and been like, "Why are you guys going after Sebastian Stan? Leave him alone." I, like I don't know. Uh, I don't, I went. I looked on Twitter this morning, and all I saw that was that Zachary Levi was trending. So I assume that people are finding out that he's a piece of crap. Finally, I, from what I've gathered, it is a anti-vax situation. I think he's made. He must have made some comment about vaccines or something like that. Probably. A lot of people are like, you need to whatever energy you took going. I saw somebody say like, whatever energy you guys had towards Letitia, the Letitia Wright for Black Panther. Keep that up for for Zachary Levi. I don't yeah. actually know what he said though. To be honest, I have no idea. I haven't looked it up. It. I don't want to look it up. I don't want to look no, it up. Me neither. So. I don't really, I didn't care that much about Shazam. So whatever. I just uh, I remember. I don't listen to Joe Rogan because I think his show is bad, and I think he's a bad person. <laughs> but um, I do remember seeing a clip of uh, Zachary Levi on that show praising a certain uh, fucking Canadian. Uh, famous psychologists <laughs> as like a deep thinker and i was like i don't want to like i like Shaz i think shazam is a really fun great family action movie and i i do not want to i i'm disappointing because i do i'm actually really looking forward to shazam but i don't really want to watch Zachary really by anymore so. you know i never watched the first shazam Didn't it's a good movie it's a I good, heard it's probably, good. Like, yeah, it's I heard probably it one of the better DC ones, yeah. It's honestly probably my favorite of the DC movies. Really? As they, oh, yeah, wow. like, it's like like that and Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman, and like Aquaman are like one, two, three. Um, 
I, I think I'm still very partial to Man of Steel, I have to say. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, Man of Steel's up there, too. I don't... I really enjoyed Man we, of Steel. We'll, we'll, like, we've already been talking for like 25 minutes before we were talking about any <laughs> Sundance films. But uh, I will say that, on the record, that I think Man of Steel is a good movie, but a bad Superman story. Um, mm, but that's that's just um, a whole it's a whole debate yeah, for another time. Yeah, we don't time. need to go down that road, yeah. And, but, I, and I don't need to incur the wrath of dc fans online so but snyder that's, that's... fans particularly that's a oh, whole yeah, thing it's not dc fans it's snyder fans yeah exactly anyway we should probably talk about some sundance movies now that we've talked about the business of film festivals and everything except for <laughs> films at those festivals um well, that's just what happens when like-minded people get together um so let's let's dive in i think let's talk about um Let's each do one that the other didn't see first, and we'll talk about the few that we did overlap with after. So why don't we start? You saw the Michael J. Fox documentary. Tell me about that. So it's called Still, a Michael J. Fox movie, which I found, I don't know why I found it such a funny title that they did that. Um, It is, like, okay, I'll say first off, it's a great, portrait of michael j fox and for anybody who you know watched back to the future liked it if you're you know slightly older than me and you watch family ties growing up and things like that it's a great great look at his life and the thing i like about it is like they look back on obviously what how he came up and and you know just a small kid from vancouver from burnaby or sorry not vancouver he's from burnaby um greater vancouver born in, born in edmonton and then uh and then was raised out in Burnaby. And then it just shows like his ascent into Hollywood and this and that. But then throughout the whole thing, there are also kind of intercutting scenes of him doing physical training and uh, verbal uh, exercises or like coaching, I suppose, to help manage his Parkinson's um, symptoms. So it's very much like you're looking at the young guy and all the potential non spirit and everything. And then they aren't afraid to show what he's been going through and and like mentally physically everything like that and it's just it's a really really well done celebrity documentary in that sense like they just showed everything and he was he was very candid about what his life was like after he uh got the diagnosis and that you know he was drinking and he was doing he was quite depressed i mean i I think anybody could sympathize with the fact that you know he he was dealt a very very tough hand in life at a very young age as well um Mm -hmm. and so he was very open about talking about that he was also open just about talking you know when he first got to hollywood and just kind of was becoming a bit of a punk and like and he he fully recognizes that and things like that so that was an interesting thing in terms of just it being a celebrity documentary but the other thing i would say the reason i like it so much is it is an excellent just documentary like the way that they did it was in you know like sometimes i always associate with a and e documentaries from back when i was a kid they mm-hmm. do those really cheesy reenactments and you're just like oh my god like i that is the biggest the biggest turnoff any documentary can do for me is reenact a scene i'm like stop it like this is just so lame and cheesy but what they did with his was they find someone who's kind of a similar shape and body type to how he was when he was younger and they don't ever show the faces Mm-hmm. But then they cut it with his stuff from Family Ties or from um, Back to the Future or Teen Wolf. Like they actually use scenes from those shows 
that relate exactly to what he's going through in real life. It's kind of hard to explain, but if you watch it, it's like, you'll get what I mean. Um, And it's fascinating because when you have a sitcom like Family Ties, it's like that Alex P. Keaton character goes through everything that Michael J. Fox went through, basically. Or like they they can find a clip that somehow relates to what he was actually going through. And then it's very helpful that he met his wife on Family Ties. So it's just an amazing work of document... What's the word? Is it documentarianship? No, that's not a word. Documentarianism? Documentarianism? it's a well-made documentary i'm trying to say (laughs) and it's really interesting the way that the editing is and there's a really cool scene when they shift from him acting as alex p keaton or being alex keaton and then they go into being marty mcfly and they're like he's walking through like trailers on set and they're like putting the taking the tweed coat off and putting the red vest on and it's like very cool um but yeah i would highly recommend it for whenever it comes out it's going to be on apple um whenever it does get released it's it's so good like it's just a it's a good michael j fox story and the way they tell his story is brilliant but it's more if you're interested in like how documentaries get made and like good ones and bad ones there are so many there are just so many celebrity documentaries out there now and um and, and biopics as well, like the fictionalized versions of them. This is mm-hmm. a really, really good version of that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually really interested to see it, but I couldn't fit it into uh, my schedule. Uh, they which... show old Canadian money too, which is interesting. Like old old Canadian money. What, like $1 and $2 bills? Yeah, like the old one, or obviously the old one, but like the old $2, not the brown $2, like the, the old, old $2. Cool. Oh, cool. I haven't seen one of those since they stopped you know, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am old. Anyway, um, yeah, I really wanted to see it, but I couldn't fit it into my schedule. And I know that Apple had picked it up, uh, which is actually at this point interesting. I think Apple Apple picking something up is uh, a pretty big vote of confidence for me because they have a pretty high hit, hit rate on yeah, TV and movies. Really well. um, which is kind of the least surprising thing, right? Like that's the, the Apple way. They don't, you know, they innovate in that they often put out the best version of things, not necessarily the first, uh, but they're, you know, they have a concise vision of what they want to do. But anyway, that's a whole, again, a whole other (laughs) discussion. Um, And uh, I've always been a fan of Michael J. Fox because I was a kid in the eighties. So I've seen all this stuff, you know, Um, and it was one of those, you know, I don't, I don't get caught up in celebrity stuff all that frequently, but I remember being pretty devastated when I heard that he had Parkinson's. Uh, that was very so. sad. That was because I one thing that they talked about, and I I guess I never thought about it was just like Parkinson's. It's an old old person ailment usually. Like yep. to get it as young as he was was a very. I mean, it's it's unfortunate for anybody to get it, but it's especially unfair when you are that young to get Parkinson's I don't care if you're an actor a singer or just you know Joe Schmo on the street like to get Parkinson's at that age is yeah that's a really tough hand yeah uh yeah someone who has had a family member who had Parkinson's I can I can attest to that it's terrible um but I'm glad the movie's good because I'm very much looking forward to seeing it whenever uh, I was just trying to look up when Apple's releasing it but I can't I don't think they've put a date on it yet. They haven't put a date on it yet. And if you try and search for it on Wikipedia, uh, it just goes back to his page. So interesting. <laughs> um, 
yeah so that's i'm i think that is definitely one to watch out for uh i will say that the one i wanted to talk about as my one that you didn't see um which i think people will be talking about this year is fair play um fair play let me just look up her name because i can it's um the girl from Bridgerton, Phoebe. Uh, oh, uh, Waller. No, um, no. Um, Who's that? Phoebe, Phoebe Dynavor. Oh, uh, plays like, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, Phoebe Dynavor and Alden Ehrenreich uh, play a pair of investment analysts at a very prestigious investment firm in New York city. And at the start of the film, they are, uh, I think the best way to put it would be crazy in lust. Um, and, and in love. And they're basically, they're living together and they, they're both analysts on the same floor in the same firm. And at the, right at the beginning of the film, a senior person, uh, a project manager gets fired and then, for a few minutes, there's speculation as to who is going to replace this this PM, and a rumor goes around that her character hears and says to him, "It's going to be you. You're the one who's going to get promoted," and they they celebrate because they think he's going to get promoted, and then in basically the next scene, she's the one that gets promoted, and the rest of the movie just follows the the relationship between this very capable woman and the mediocre man that she has basically hitched her wagon to. Um, and I think it's going to piss off a lot of people, um, but it is really, really well acted. Uh, and it's, I mean, there's probably some, some debate you can have about parts of the script, um, but all of it feels very true. Um, and the ending is great. And I, I really don't want to spoil too much of it, but like the film does a really good job in its first like 15 minutes, 20 minutes of establishing them both as being actually quite competent, actually loving what they do. And then once she's promoted, it does a very good job of very subtly and also not so subtly making you realize that actually, no, she's very capable and he's just sort of average at best. <laughs> um, and the the like gender politics and like and relationship dynamics that, that that take place now that she's sort of on the rise and he's very clearly not are really well thought out, really well performed. And I really can't wait for people to see this. It's going to be on Netflix, so I can't wait for the three day weekend when we all talk about it and then forget about it. But I'm <laughs> looking for I'm looking forward to that day. Um, because, again, I think it's going to... This is the kind of movie where you look at reviews for it and you see a lot of women being like, yep. And you see a lot a lot of men being like, oh. And a lot of men being like... <laughs> and, and a lot of men being like, I don't see the value in this. And being like, eh, kind of maybe telling on yourself a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, I've, I was riveted for the whole movie. It's easily my favorite movie that I saw at the festival. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I actually didn't know what Fair Play. I remember everyone was talking about it and you did mention it to me and I tried to get uh, get it, but I was too late. Um, but that actually sounds fascinating. And something that when you're hearing, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
I've been through that. I think everyone's been, I, most women I know have been through some form of that. And also takes to what, uh, my friend I was having dinner with last night, we actually brought this kind of similar topic up where I was like, I would never date somebody who's in the same field as me for a very specific reason. And that's that reason, basically. Oh, that's fascinating. I can't wait to watch that then. Netflix got it, eh? That's pretty decent. Yeah, it's even like, I think it's a Netflix uh, original even. It's all, um, oh. they, all the production logos are Netflix. But um, it's also just a really good reminder. So like the, the story here, honestly, is going to be Phoebe uh, Dynavor. She is fantastic. And I haven't really seen her in too much stuff. I know she made a big splash on Bridgerton. Uh, playing, I think, the youngest of the daughters in that show. Um, but we, uh, also, though, like, it's a really good reminder that Alden Ehrenreich is a great actor. Um, I know that, like, he seems to have stalled out a little bit after Solo. Like, I can't remember. Yeah. As he, like, I know he's done stuff, really. but, like, nothing nothing really big. Nothing um, but this year he has this coming out and also Cocaine Bear. And I really hope that this is kind of like a bit of a career resurgence for him because he's as, playing this this character, this very cocky but ultimately very mediocre man. He's so good. He's so good at skirting that line of like just the unearned confidence of the the middle class white guy. And it's, I love he's, that. He's really good. I'm gonna put it out there, like, and I. I just saying this is um without having seen that movie but it, this one sounds like a more similar to I, I keep bringing up fresh for some reason i don't know why <laughs> but it's similar to the way fresh is in that it's like it's using it's talking about gender dynamics and gender politics in a in a very different way in like a more nuanced more um a more modern way and when i say modern i just mean not five years ago even though five years ago is not that long ago and that's that was the biggest problem i had with movies like she said and uh women talking even which i mm-hmm. felt like those movies now she said is is it's 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 about a historical moment or whatever like i get where they're and that's you know i understand what the context of that film is but both of those movies to me were just raising up issues that i'm like yeah we talked about these things endlessly in 2015 and it's now mm-hmm. 2022 and the world has moved on quite a bit. And I think that we need to kind of up our game in terms of what we're talking about when it comes to gender dynamics. So this movie kind of sounds like it fits into that same category of a bit, you know, it's almost talking about the same stuff that we've been talking about for decades now, but like in a bit of a different way and a bit more of a modern context. So I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to talk about, I would say, with this movie. Um, none of which I'm going to hear because I think you should just watch it. Um, but yeah, the way the way that she ultimately the way the movie recognizes her is like or her character is written as to be like the more competent person and then um I mean Everything I want to say right now is a spoiler, so I don't, I don't actually want to say it. But yeah, the way it's the way it's all handled is like, yep, yep, that's that feels very true. I bet lots, yeah. I bet lots of people are going to connect with this one in a really personal way, uh, and it's it's going to be an interesting one to talk about. Um, but again, uh, if nothing else, uh, the two leads. And are great. And Eddie Marsan is in this, and he like no movie with Eddie Marsan can be all bad. Yeah. It's just like a law of the universe. Um, 
so yeah, it's uh, I really I was riveted again, riveted the whole movie. So yeah, awesome. very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, well, those are the two that we each only saw. Um, what should we start with? Uh, let's start with um, one that I think we were both kind of lukewarm on that we both saw. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about the pod generation? The movie that I saw. declared should have been a 90s sitcom because I think it would have been brilliant as a 90s sitcom. Um, Interesting. So this is Chiwetel Ejiofor and Amelia. Is it Amelia Clark, Clark or Emily Clark? It's Amelia, Amelia. Clark. Yeah, Amelia yeah. Clark. I don't know why I just blanked there. Um, but this is set in a future near future and it kind of reminds me a bit of um swan song i don't know if you've watched that with uh mahershala ali i didn't actually that's a great movie uh so it's kind of that it's in the near future but yet there's still plenty of things in our current world um that are in there but futuristic in its own way and basically at this point there is it has become that women don't need to carry a child. They don't need to actually become pregnant. You can get pods, like literal plastic eggs, and you can grow your baby in there and you can care for them and uh, watch them grow and then have them give birth and da 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 and all this kind of stuff. Um, so in the film, you have Amelia Clark who is all for this at the beginning and she you know is kind of seeing the light of why this is so great specifically for women that you don't have to go through you know the arduous physicality the mental hardship of being pregnant um and and then also it doesn't take you away from your job and and so on and so forth whereas her husband played by Chiwetel Ejiofor he's um like a, a not a botanist but he's a biology professor and he's very much so into the idea of nature and that we should as a society stop taking things um, and turning them into technology like holograms all over the place that we should just embrace natural things like you know so it's basically the world has now come that there's no more real trees anymore um, they're very few and far between like real plants um, and so the, yeah the film just kind of plays out like that that the two of them get pregnant via a pod and you see them kind of you know ebb and flow and, and change perspectives um as their baby is growing inside the pod and i genuinely believe this could have been a very funny 90s-esque sitcom with but also still delivering on the points like the themes that it is trying to deliver on um but as it is it's an all right movie could have been a better 90s sitcom uh yeah, it's interesting because I would I would say that if it was going to be anything, it would be about twenty five minutes, twenty five to thirty minutes shorter, and <laughs> be in the middle of whatever the next run of Black Mirror is, and it would have fit in just oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, could have been part of that. Yeah, you know, um, it, it, it does go on a bit too long. Like I don't, it just doesn't have the legs to sustain but the, i think actually the funny thing is i think it does have the legs like there is a lot to talk about in that movie in that reality that they've created and um there's a lot to talk about in the circumstances that they've they've written in there but they just kind of yeah. don't go far enough in a way yeah it's interesting in that like all the pieces are there for it to be legitimately great and it's just mm-hmm. kind of fine um, yeah, which is unfortunate. This is the worst kind of movie that you can see that they have good bones, but it just doesn't, just doesn't yeah. materialize. It's very, very frustrating. And it, uh, I mean, the world they present, 
I will say that the movie's almost entire worth watching just because of the world that they've created, which I think at one point is called out in the film as being the twenty second century, like the next century. Like yeah, yeah, they talk early about like early twenty one hundreds. Yeah, they're like our children um, are going. We want them to succeed in the twenty second century. I think that's that's what they're. Yeah, so it's like the the late the late 20 it's like the 2090s or the early 2100s or whatever um but uh the world it created is i think very fascinating like the production design in this movie is sort of like off the charts good um it's such because it's not only is it um just aesthetically really interesting but it's also like just depressingly plausible uh everything everything from the pod itself to the fact that like Amelia Clark's character is constantly going to an air bar where she just breathes fresh air out of a jar that has plants people in it. Do that now though. Like people go to things and get um ox like extra oxygen or something like that. Like that's actually a thing. Like yeah, oxygen bars are a thing. It's ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. It's depressingly plausible. Yeah. <laughs> it's um and just that like no one goes to the country anymore because everything you need in the city. Like it's also just the like the like logical furthest conclusion of capitalism. Um, also, the therapists, which I found just so amusing, that like they don't have human therapists anymore. That they just have this AI robot thing because they're like, well, this thing can research everything. Like you don't need a person. oh, and it's honestly just, like eyeball staring. At I it. didn't. I didn't necessarily want to talk about it too much, but like, am I the only one? I feel like I'm the only one who's old enough to remember. So they go. They go to this therapist in the movie which is a giant eyeball on the wall that's, like, wreathed in, like, <laughs> depending on when they go, it's wreathed in, like, you know, foliage or whatever. But yeah. It's just a big screen with an eyeball. And the therapist is called Eliza. And Eliza was an artificial intelligence therapist that was originally programmed in the 60s. Like, it's literally a, it's literally a program that, like, we I had Eliza on a computer in the 80s. Like, and the way Eliza oh, talks in this movie... Is literally just like a like the Eliza that I remember. Like it's it's a, such yeah. an amazing deep cut, and yeah. also just hilarious that it hasn't really changed. Because like the prompts that yeah. Eliza has in the movie, where she's like, "How does this make you?" Like the way she like parrots yeah. back things them. They're like, "I'm feeling. I had to do this," and she's like, "And how did this make you feel?" Like is just Eliza. It's just it's not even updated. It's just Eliza from the sixties. That and so I, funny. I, I was, I was talking with a, a group of people. I'm on a group chat with a bunch of Sundance people, and I remember people talking about how this, the therapist was so interesting. And I'm like, am I the, am I the oldest one here? Because <laughs> like, so like, but okay, let's. Step, you're not from the '60s though. Like, no, no, we had we, but we had Eliza on. Um, we had a we had a Mac Plus when I was in elementary school, and we had Eliza on it, Ooh. and that was like the Fancy. the mid eighties. So yeah, like Eliza's been around a while. Is all I'm saying. That's really and funny. It's, it's really funny. Like I I found it personally very hilarious that Eliza was in this movie, and again in a in a basically not updated way. Like the way Eliza talks in the movie is the way Eliza has always talked. What a great pull, though, from like the director, the screenwriter, whoever did that. What a great. Like, yeah. like you said, like what a good deep cut to throw in there. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. I like, I, I, I wanted to like this movie a lot. Like, and you can, I can, see, and like, should we should mention you and I both said this before that Amelia Clark and Chiwetel Ejiofor are adorable together. They have such a great chemistry. 
I yeah. could watch them do like a fun rom-com, a little comedy thing between the two of them because they're very, very good together. Um, and I, I genuinely like these kinds of sci-fi movies that kind of imagine uh, Swan Song is the, the perfect example um, of a movie similar-ish to this, um, but not at the same time. Uh, it's, but I, I genuinely, generally speaking, enjoy these kinds of movies, but yeah, this one just felt a bit flat towards the end especially the ending i was telling this is how we end it okay yeah it does just kind of stop yeah um, uh and like i get i sort of get how they got to that ending but it does just kind of stop mm-hmm. and like i say that it, it's maybe a little frustrating because again all all the pieces are there all the pieces are there for it to be great and it's just kind of fine um and i think that i don't know maybe they just blew the budget on the production design but they, uh, it, it just maybe it needed another pass for the script to find something maybe a little deeper. Like it is a very yeah. shallow examination of the things that it's trying to examine. Um, that being said, I don't think it's not worth watching. Like it's worth watching again, just for concept. the production design, uh, for the concept. Yeah. But again, like if it was maybe like an hour to an hour and fifteen in an episode of Black Mirror, it might have been better. I think that's yeah. a good. That was probably better than my ninety sitcom thing. <laughs> Well, honestly like so many moments where i'm like this could be in a sitcom and it's very funny to me but yeah i, I mean Black episode makes more sense i think another way to put this would be that like because the premise is kind of absurd like yeah. the idea of gestating a baby outside of the body is so absurd although again just frighteningly plausible yeah, um, I was gonna say it's not that absurd, though, is it? Like, it's it's not crazy absurd. But it's one of those things that even when it eventually does happen, it'll still be absurd, right? Like, why? But I I guess what I'm trying to say though is that like because the premise is so absurd, I feel like the movie either needed to be like twenty percent, like lean into it twenty percent more, or lean out of it twenty percent more. Like it was in that weird place yeah. where it was like not it was a little bit too weird. But it also was just yeah. not weird enough, you know. Like it, it, it didn't, it didn't, it hit that middle ground where it was. Yeah. And again, like I said before, it's a slightly shallow examination of these things. Like if it had been a little further into the satire or a little further out of it, it would have been a better film. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think if it were, if they went super funny with it and showed the absurdity of it through humor, yeah, my '90s sitcom idea. Yeah, I think it could have been really funny. Um, I, I I know I keep bringing up Swan Song, but like if it or if it had gone a bit more serious, like Swan Song is, then I think you could have had something interesting. Yeah, go watch it's, Swan Song as well because I. Think but it's also funny. just hard to be serious when you have Chiwetel Ejiofor like wearing a pod on his front and like caressing it and like the uh, the most yeah. interesting part of the movie to me, maybe not the most interesting, but one of the most interesting part, parts of the movie is just like Chiwetel's character like connecting with the pod <laughs> yeah that was the, the most entertaining part of the film i say i agree with that yeah. like that was kind of his his storyline with the pod was um very funny in many ways but like it, it was and it was an interesting thing of showing like how amelia clark's character um doesn't really you know yeah. and i bring it up at some point being like you know she's like i'm the mom i should be more but then it kind of i suppose raises the idea that maybe the pod thing isn't so bad because then the men actually get a chance to Mm-hmm. "Quote unquote," carry a baby, which um, at present day, that yeah. Be, so, 
And we and we haven't uh, even talked about uh, um, what's her name the uh, the woman who's like the representative from the pod company who just delivers oh, um, all this Rosalie like Craig. Yeah, she just delivers all of this like dystopian so nightmare dialogue in such like a matter of fact, pleasant like so marketing safe here. way. I found her to be just so funny in that, like, she was so shrewd and so ridiculous, but I found her very, like, yeah. The performances in this movie are really good, actually. They're all really, really good. See, again, that's the frustrating thing about this movie, is that it does have all the pieces there to make a great movie, and all they kind of came up with was a fine movie. Yeah. It's It's just a fine movie. Although it is is an award winner, it won... um, Yeah. The Alfred P. Sloan Feature Film Prize, which is the one they that it's awarded to films for their uh, scientific veracity, I believe, so uh, or plausibility. Um, so uh, it is it is definitely that, and I do like I didn't really connect with it in the way that I would hope, but uh, I still yeah. think it's it's definitely a see it for yourself movie. Like I'm always on team see it for yourself, but this one in particular, like you should definitely see it for yourself. It's a very good like kind of lazy saturday movie to put on you're just like oh this is something to put on which i don't i don't know if that's a great characterization for a movie but like to me it's just one of those like yeah if it's on a streaming service it's perfect for that yeah and it probably will be i think it's still shopping for distribution but it'll definitely end up on a streamer i can see it on apple but it might not be good enough for apple yeah it might be sort of outside there what they go for feels more like a I mean, I'm in Canada, so it's difficult to say with all the streaming services in the States, but it feels more like a movie type thing to me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah movie or, or maybe Hulu, you know, one of those. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to say because those are kind of all, like, there's fewer up here because they're sort of consolidated yeah. a little more. But... I, would, I would bet on Prime. <clears throat> That's the game we should play. Who, who, who's, what streaming service is going to pick up this movie? <laughs> we, can, we can revisit this at the end of the year. Yeah, I'll put my money on Prime to pick up this one. I'd say yeah, fair enough. It would it would fit there too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, let's um let's move on. Um, let's talk about um. I I know that we both saw this saw this one, but I don't know if you liked it or not. Let's talk about Eileen. <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, Eileen is the story of a young woman who lives in the, I believe it's the sixties. Yes, late fifties. She's New England. New England, and you know, near near Boston. Um, Boston. She lives with her father, her drunk, abusive father, and she works at a prison. And she lives a fairly unremarkable life. Um, she's very socially awkward, uh, very introverted. Doesn't really know how to interact with people uh, at all. Uh, and then one day, a new psychologist is hired at the prison, played by Anne Hathaway. Who, gorgeous looking Anne Hathaway. Gorgeous looking platinum blonde Anne Hathaway, yeah. who's super outgoing and immediately gravitates towards Eileen. Um, just I think as like the only other young woman in in the prison. Eileen is actually is played by Thomason McKenzie um, of Last Night in Soho and um, Jojo Rabbit, um, and I like this movie. I don't know how you felt about it, but I I didn't love it, but I did like it. And the first like two thirds of the movie, like there's a, it's 
I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a huge twist. The first part of the movie spends a lot of time making you think it's going to be one thing, and then it turns out to be another. And the twist uh, might be jarring for some. But I was as soon as the twist happened, that's actually when I got way more interested in the film. Because um, it's it, it felt like a... Uh, how to explain this without spoilers, but... I mean, there's obviously there's some there's some romantic sexual tension between the two lead characters and it's the whole the whole first yeah basically two-thirds of the movie uh is exploring that and it feels like a lesser maybe not lesser but it like it doesn't feel like a fresh version of that in any way you know like it's maybe a lesser carol would be the way to put it um (laughs) you know like it's it's definitely something you've seen before but then there's a there's a twist and it becomes a whole different movie and it gets a lot more interesting, and I think that it's definitely worth seeking out. I don't know how did you feel about this movie, Rachel? <laughs> so, one, I think I think Anne Hathaway is wonderful in this movie. I think she's oh yeah, somehow fully... has become a bit of an underrated actress. I don't know what happened. I kind of feel like people just kind of jumped off with her and weren't a bit, as big a fan. But I'm like, she's phenomenal in Mm -hmm. this i think it's a gorgeously made movie it looks beautiful um i i love seeing i know this is like a very pretentious cinema thing to say but like you know when you see like the grain on the screen kind of swimming around and things like that i love that Mm -hmm. and it fits in with the 60s aesthetic really nicely and they they do 60s um, new england wonderful as well like it's a nice looking movie um and i like the twist i'm i'm with you i like the twist because i thought the movie was going to be uh, I actually did think it was going to be like kind of a queer film about a young girl who's just trying to figure out who she is and what she likes, what she doesn't like and things like that. And Anne Hathaway is the very sophisticated, you know, woman of the world who comes in and kind of turns her world upside down. I thought... And, and to be clear, it's not not that. It, yeah, it's not not that. It is about that still. It, but it just, it turns and it becomes something different. And I agree with you. That is when I kind of perked up and went, oh, this is awesome. I'm super excited about this. This is great. But then my problem with it is I checked because I've obviously watched this um, at home. I checked and it's like, oh, there's like 25 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, so the thing that made me so interested and made me be like, oh, this is this is going places now. Just as it happens, then the movie's done. And that's kind of what bothered me. Now, maybe maybe what happens is if they strung it out a little bit longer, then maybe that doesn't... Maybe the impact loses it. Maybe, I don't know. Like, maybe maybe if they had paced it out differently, it wouldn't have felt the same way. But it just bothered me that I was like, the most interesting thing in this movie happens, and then literally within 20 minutes, the movie's done. Yeah. And there's like, That was frustrating to me. There's definitely a change of pace at that point. Like mm-hmm. it becomes the first like two acts of the movie, the pace is very deliberate, Slow. almost yeah. almost like languid, you might say, you know, like very But not in a bad way, I would say. Not in a bad way. Like it fits the movie quite well to be that that slow burn. Like I think I do think it's Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then it switches from being this like deliberately paced, wonderfully atmospheric slow burn into being a much faster paced still deliberately atmospheric or delightfully atmospheric different kind of movie and you're right it does end very quickly after yeah. that point i'm not sure like that really frustrates me 
The thing is that I'm not sure that it would work if they stretched it out because yeah. it's hard to explain without going into spoilers, but the the first like two acts of the film take place over a fairly long, several days at least, stretch of time, and the last act takes place over basically one evening. So there, like, there is a, a difference in the amount of time being covered as well. I'm not sure that the actual ending, like the last couple, like shot especially, um, would have the same impact if it was any longer. So it's it's yeah, kind of a I, difficult yeah. difficult line I'm to walk with there. there. But yeah, it's it's for like like ten minutes more, fifteen yeah. minutes more, like just a little bit more because it just felt not. I I don't I don't want to go as far as saying it felt tacked on because I don't think it felt tacked on, but. It, it just feels like book. a different. It, it just feels book, like a different movie. Very, I'm very curious to read the book and how the book plays it out. Like I, I'm very, very curious how that works because, and the other again, without giving anything away, I'm very interested in Anne Hathaway's character in this more than anything else. And we don't get too many. And I was thinking about that watching the film was like we don't get too many glimpses of her too much. We don't really understand yeah. her background, her motivations that much. But I also think the reason for that is, or sorry the reason that I'm so intrigued by her is probably because we're not getting enough information about her. So in that sense, like as much as I'm like, I wanted to see more of Anne Hathaway's character. I it's, it's the same thing with the, the with the plot twist. It's like, I get that it built this idea of like, we wanted to see more, which is always a better feeling to come away from a movie from than that was a slog. And that was just too much. Like it, it's always yeah. better to be like, Oh, I wish there was more like, cause you just want more of it but yeah those are the things so i'm i'm it's for the i think this might be the first time that i've ever watched a movie and that i hadn't already read the book and i went i actually really want to read the book because i don't normally oh. do that to be honest so yeah uh, but this one I'm, I'm curious how the book works because it's a very interesting story yeah i think to your point about anne hathaway's character i think you're right i think she's she's so intriguing because we don't really know that much about her yeah and i think that that's um I think that's also kind of part of the point because the the film is 100% from Eileen's yeah. point of view, from Thomas and Mackenzie's point of view. And she doesn't ever, like, it's not a spoiler to say that at no point in this movie does she truly understand who Anne Hathaway mm -hmm. is either. Yeah. So we're really working with Eileen's, um, you know, POV, yeah. Yeah, point of view, her, her wants, her her assumptions about what's going on. Um, and so in that way, I think that leaving Anne Hathaway's character a bit of a mystery kind of serves it the works, narrative. Yeah. It works. Um, um but yeah, I mean, Anne I Hathaway platinum blonde. It made me be like, why haven't we given her the shot to play Marilyn Monroe? I mean, She's yeah. I mean, Anne Hathaway is is one of those people. You were talking about how like people sort of jumped off the bandwagon. I don't think that that's exactly true. My experience when speaking with people about Anne Hathaway is that they think that she's either wonderful or they intensely dislike her. And I'm working with and I'm I'm working with a fairly small sample size, but I know at least <laughs> at least two people in my like broader circle of like friends and family. Most people are like, yeah, Anne Hathaway, she's a great actress. And there's like two people in particular who are like, fuck that bitch. I hate her. <laughs> Like, do you know what and I, like, I, and I don't get it. Thing. I think it was the lamest thing. I think when she was going through Academy and, Award, because she was winning everything, a lot in of at least one case, on her. in at least one case, it goes way 
way further, way further really? back than that. Yeah. Oh, well, and then just, I don't understand that. Let's and just says like, and I think what it is, is I think that this person in particular and like no shade, like we all react to people differently, but I think this person has always felt that Anne Hathaway has in real life presented herself in a way that rubs this person the wrong way basically some like, people think she's snobby i've heard that like some people think that she comes off as being a bit of a snob and i'm like she, like I, to me the thing i like about anne hathaway is like she literally minds her own business does her great movies does great performances and then pieces out and goes home that's yeah. it like she doesn't I think, do anything and I'm like, i think a better word is that i think she's i think i think that some people might think she comes off as a bit smug because she's also not shy about being like i'm good i'm really good at this i'm a great actress <laughs> You know, like, hey. whereas we very much expect, you know, yeah, we like humility, as, don't we? As a society, we like humility. we like we like humility, and again, not to like call anyone out, but like, especially in women. Yeah, <laughs> you know, That's it's yeah. it's totally fine for the Leonardo DiCaprios of the world to get up and be like, "I'm the best," um, but it's not ever really fine for the Anne Hathaways of the world to do the same thing. I would and, also say, like, it's it's such a huge compliment when we can say, like, a man is humble. We're like, oh, my God, just so much humility and so humble. But we don't necessarily attribute that to women that often because we just kind of expect women to be humble and yeah, whatever. Whereas men, you're just like, man, so humble. So, yeah. so humble. Look at all of his accomplishments. Yeah. This is why I, you know, total side note, this is why I thought that the song I'm So Humble was robbed at the Academy Awards the year that it came out with Popstar. I don't, I don't know, if you know ever... that song. Oh, you never saw the movie Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I did. There was... Yeah, it's the, it's the first song of the whole movie called I'm So Humble, oh, I... sung by Andy Samberg, really and it's all, about, it's all about how humble he is, and it is like a, it is both a perfect parody of a pop song and a perfect pop song. <laughs> that movie is um egregiously underrated it's a good yeah. movie true story that movie is the most logged movie in my letterbox like by a fairly wide really oh, yeah because so in addition title to too. it's a great like an amazing movie title just the best movie title ever yeah but the thing about that movie not to get too far off topic the thing about that movie is that not only is it really good-hearted and really funny it's also a super tight like 89 minutes like it's super easy yeah. to just watch Andy Samberg gets it. He yeah. knows. We don't want to sit there for two hours watching. Yeah, all all the Lonely Island guys get it. Come on now. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so that's very much like Eileen. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a good movie. I don't know where it's going to land, but when it does come out, Eileen, I think it's definitely one worth seeking out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's move on. Let's talk about oh, wait, uh, one. Hold on. You said you don't know where it's going to land. Any guesses? Where you think it's going to land? <laughs> Honestly, let's it's... really dive into this game. It feels like a Netflix one to me. It feels like a Netflix one. I, I'm going to go and say, you think a streamer is going to take it? I actually think it might go to like a like a studio, it, studio, a proper studio. I mean, it might go limited release. It might go to like. Uh, uh, like an A24 or a Neon of the world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it goes to Searchlight and then they do limited and then it plops over to Disney Plus slash Hulu. That's my guess on that. Yeah, that's plausible too. I feel like it. I feel like the movie itself has a very A24 feel about it. So it could yeah, also it does, do like yeah. it could also go the A24 and then straight to Apple route because A24 has a. a deal but I with think Apple. it's like an A24 early A24. To me, it mm-hmm. reminds me of like an early A twenty four movie versus what they kind of do now because they don't really do this type of movie anymore. 
Well, maybe yeah. it's a neon then. Maybe it's a, like a neon maybe. and then like, yeah. and then in Canada, instead of being A24 in elevation, it's like neon and, and VBS. Yeah. You know. Okay, great. We've got that one down. That, yeah. That's our Good. prediction for that. Right. Uh, so let's talk now, uh, let's talk about the one that you have seen and I am literally like is in the next room paused because I had to come and record. Um, Are you going to get timed out by it? I didn't think I don't, I didn't, I don't think so. We've been talking for an hour. I've watched an hour and change. Yeah, but we've been talking for like 30 minutes before this. Okay, it's a a five hour window. So I think I'm still, I think I still have like two hours to go. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Magazine Dreams. And since you have seen all of it, and I have seen uh, most of it, why don't you tell me about Magazine Dreams? Sure. So Magazine Dreams is, effectively, it's a Jonathan Majors vehicle, and he plays um, a amateur bodybuilder who is, for better, like, I, I don't want to throw the word autistic or anything like that around, but like, he is socially very awkward. He is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't read social cues. He doesn't really... But the thing to me is interesting is he knows that he doesn't read social cues. So I, I find that kind of like he, he's aware that he's a bit awkward and that he's and, and because he is so physically imposing as well. And um, it's I, I get the feeling that he kind of knows that about himself. Um, he's also in court mandated therapy with uh, a wonderful what's her name? I need her name because I really like her. Harriet Sansom Harris, who for any mm-hmm. Frasier fans out there. It's BB. It's BB from Frasier. It plays his agent, but she's in such a small role, but she is actually incredible in that movie. And and it's yeah. So it follows um, uh, Jonathan Major's character, which is Killian Maddox, who goes around and and is working part time at a grocery store. He tries to court one of the his coworkers there, who she, he thinks she's cute, and you know he's. Again, like he's a sweet man. You can see that he's a sweet guy, but he also takes a lot of steroids to help with his bodybuilding and makes him prone to some violent outbursts and being quite sensitive in that respect. He also has an obsession with another bodybuilder um, in the movie. It's called Brad Vanderhorn, played by Mark Mike, sorry, Mike O'Hearn, um, and is someone who's his idol. And he just like, writes letters to to this guy trying to you know tell him what's going on with his stuff and um with his with his amateur bodybuilding career and you know what's he working on ask some questions and of course brad doesn't ever respond um of course well of course and yeah so it's it's kind of it's an interesting movie to say that it's a slice of life movie because not anything particularly big happens actually i shouldn't say that so like stuff does happen in it but there's not one kind of overarching story that we're looking at it's just a bit of this guy killian uh, maddox it's looking at his life and the biggest takeaway from this movie is number one or the two biggest takeaways from this is number one it's a very very intense movie that i think most people are going to feel the same thing that i felt when you come out of it which is you don't really know what you feel like if you like the movie or not all you know that is an in incredibly intense film like it's very very intense mm-hmm. um, which to me it should be because it's a film that is all about the extremes of masculinity and the way that we think about them and i think the perfect word to describe that is probably intense um but the second takeaway which is the li- biggest takeaway is jonathan majors is an incredible actor and yeah he really is he's phenomenal and he's uh, we were talking about this i don't think we were, were recording when we talked about this but um He's about to have an amazing year. Like he's going to be in Creed three. He's got his Marvel movie. 
I can't remember which Marvel movie. Ant-Man? Is he going to be an Ant-Man? Is that what it is? So he's actually signed up to be Kang the Conqueror like for right. Marvel, but he's going to be the, the primary antagonist in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Right. But he's already been in Loki, and he's... Right, yeah. The thing about Kang oh. is that like we're going to get multiple versions of him. So not only are we going to get oh. Jonathan Majors in lots of Marvel movies, we're going to get Jonathan Majors playing effectively a different character in every Marvel movie he's in, which oh, I think is that. fascinating. Very into that. Yeah, he's... This is going to be a really good year for him because I think all three of those movies are going to do do him well in different ways. And this will definitely be the one that if he is going to get into kind of awards talk, it'll probably for, be for this movie because um, his performance is outstanding. Like, really, really outstanding. And... Yeah, I, I like I can't say enough about his performance in terms of the actual movie. I'm a little lukewarm on it, if I'm honest. Like I like it, I didn't love it, um, but I also don't really know how I feel about it either. Like I, I think that it's, I don't know clearly how I feel about it. Like I, I know that it's not a bad movie for sure, and I would recommend anybody go and watch it because I do think he is incredible enough that it's well worth um, a ticket sale. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not done watching this movie, um, but what I have seen, I would say, makes it definitely 100% worthwhile watching. It also has a very good supporting cast. You already mentioned uh, Harriet Sampson-Harris, um, who, yes, BB. Uh, also, for for everyone who is a Marvel nerd, she was in Werewolf by Night at Halloween last year, oh, uh, and she was fucking great in that. Okay. Uh, and she's wonderful here. You're right. Her part is super small, but she's so, so, so well-realized and so well-performed. It doesn't matter. Um, I think Haley Bennett shows up in this as a bit of a yeah. love interest for Killian. Yeah. Um, she plays the um, the grocery store, um, one of the, his co-workers at the grocery store who he uh, tries to date. And she's very yeah. good in it as well. And she's, and she's I would say, like... Someone who, I don't know if you've gotten there yet. Yes, I'm, I'm to that you point. Okay. Um, so yeah, Taylor Page plays a prostitute. Um, but I was going to say that Haley Bennett, who I, interestingly, I haven't really been that on board, uh, with Haley Bennett that much. Like I sort I sort of like, I get it, but I also been like, she's sort of fine and people have been raving about her in a way where I've been like, okay, sure. Um, but this is a movie where I'm like, oh, Haley Bennett. Yeah. Okay. I get it now. You get it. You get it. Um, there's a scene that when they go on a date, there's a scene where, he's speaking and she's just reacting which might be the best like four minutes of acting i saw at the whole festival yeah um uh because it's just all body language and facial expressions the way she's getting pro- progressively more uncomfortable and realize the situation she's put herself in and it's all done non-verbally and it is she's she's so good um and uh i I, I get it now. I get it now. I think, I think like every, I think all the acting in this movie is phenomenal so far. Um, it's honestly, I would say it's a very well done movie, like from start to finish, and it's well written, it's well performed, well produced. Like, I think it's just. It is intense, it's though. Really, the The word is intense. It's You're... Super intense. Like it's a very intense movie to the point that I I do think just you come away from it being like, what the hell did I just watch? Because yeah. like it, like I said, not it, it feels like not a lot happens in it, but a lot happens in it. And when it does happen, it, it happens intensely. Yes. Um, it's an interesting movie. And I think it's going to, I think it will do 
quite well. Like I actually can see it being um, for majors. It could definitely be an awards contender later on. Yeah, I think if the uh, I think if the production companies play their cards right, I think you could definitely be right. This could be, and you're right. He's going to have a great year, not just because he's in three good movies, but because he's in. Um, and we talked about this a little bit before, but like he's in three movies that capture like all the demographics. Like, yeah. He's gaining, you know, he's got the Marvel movie, he's got the prestige drama, and he's got the indie cred with this one. Um, and I'm sure he's great in all three, but it, I really hope this one gets some some play because uh, he's, he's so good. He's just so good. Uh, but if you want to see, and like, and if you're into really muscly men, then also just watch <laughs> this movie because he yeah, is. Yeah, but it's not muscly to where it's attractive if I'm quite honest as a lady i'm just gonna say when you get that muscly it's just not it's not what is that it's not, i don't know it's not is the answer i mean yeah it's uh i mean a lot of the times this whole muscly thing is more about the male gaze than the female but he's uh it's very true he's an attractive man is all i'm trying to say he has a really great scene when he is doing the bodybuilding and um like they're doing i, I suppose it's a competition and they're um that would be the word for it, right? Yeah, when they're competing yeah. and the judge is calling out, you know, different poses that they're meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. And because they're all standing quite close to each other and they're kind of like bumping each other a little bit and they're like, smile, they're do this, do that. Jonathan Majors is just a beast doing those. And just like, yeah. it's it's incredible watching him do it. It's so uncomfortable seeing that. And because you're just like, at any minute, it's about to pop off. And it's just like, He's so annoyed by the guy bumping into him next to him. It looks like they're about to throw down, but then he is just intense. Like intense yeah. is the only word that I can really attribute to this movie. It's yeah, and even it's, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and even in the scene like immediately before that one, because in the in the competition he's like he's just in, intense again. Intense is the word. Yeah. we need the thesaurus, <laughs> but intense is the word. Um, but there's right before that he he practices his smile in the mirror. Yeah, and like. It is like, uh, it is upset. It's an upsetting moment. Like upsetting the, is a good word. Yeah. Uh, like there's, upsetting. there's no. I can't think of another word to describe the way he looks when he's. It looks like he's an alien trying to approximate what a human smiling would look like, <laughs> and it is just yeah. upsetting because he's so, he's so like introverted. He's so like turned in on himself. He's clearly suffering from some, some emotional trauma. Yeah. Um, and just like in and. And then he's like on all these, you know, steroids and other things that are just like screwing him up. Um, and yeah, again, intense, intense would be the word. <laughs> and I know sometimes people get a bit put off by being like, oh, it's a movie exploring toxic masculinity or this and that. Like, and I know that 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 doesn't do it for a lot of people, especially, you know, because these kind of trendy buzzwords have taken a life of their own these days. But it's actually it's a really good just look at you know the most extreme of what we kind of have traditionally seen as being masculine which is typically in a physical form and so you see it in a bodybuilder who's not a professional bodybuilder by any means like he is still just locally performing and competing um but it's such an interesting look at that actually the more i talk to you about it the more i'm realizing i do quite like it (laughs) i do quite like the movie yeah i mean it's quite it's it's, it's very good it's very good. It is, it is a very good movie. It's a very well done movie. Um, where, where, who do you think is going to pick this one up? I'm actually surprised it's not picked up, or has it been? Because I, 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 I don't know, but I get the 
I get the distinct feeling this is, given who's in it, given that Jonathan Majors is in it, and his profile for, like, last year and this year, I think this is probably one of the ones that we don't know who's picked it up because there's some kind of behind-the-scenes bidding war happening right now. Especially as it won a Sundance Award. Um, uh, which one did it win? It won one of the Dramatic Competition Audience Awards, didn't it? Uh, special, so it won the oh, yeah, Dramatic yeah, Special right. Jury Award for Creative Vision. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I get the feeling there's a bidding war for this one. Uh, or I, there will I be if there's going to a, like, I think it's going to go to a, a big big company like a <clears throat> studio like a like a Lionsgate or a universal or something like that like it's gonna yeah somewhere I, th- I think i think it's probably gonna get an art house uh, i don't know if it would play in a in a wide release kind of way but it's definitely gonna get an, a, like an, an art house awards run i think though if they can time it right and do it after creed comes out after well it will be after creed and after um well, yeah, because Ant-Man's like those, two weeks away. Are, yeah, Ant-Man's coming up, and then Creed is in March. So if you can play it right and be like, capitalize off the fact that people are going to be talking about him and just in terms of popularity, then put this in. That actually could work out quite nicely for them, whoever picks it up. Yeah, I get I get the feeling, excuse me, I get the feeling that like, it might come out in the fall when all the other awards it might be too out. late then because then like because this is all like earlier <clears> stuff but then just for the fact that we haven't heard anything like it would be very quick like we were saying about infinity pool like it, that came out really fast um but that's obviously because it didn't matter about sundance i think the movie was always coming out in end of jan yeah. um but yeah i, I think it, it could work out well i think like maybe they could get more box office receipts than they expect because I like. I think he's just gonna have an incredible year where everyone's just gonna want to see. Oh, there's a new Jonathan Major movie. Though. Okay, let's go check it out, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it could do well. And yeah, I hope so. I hope that whoever picks it up treats it treats it right. Basically, yeah, like, yeah, like that's true. you know, play plays the game. It's the kind of movie that I think if the if whoever's in charge of this plays the game correctly, yeah, it could make a big splash. Especially at things like I don't know what the budget is, so I don't know. Would qualify, but at, mm. at things like Indie Spirits, um, Gotham Awards, that kind of thing, yeah. um, uh, and from say. from there, the larger awards circuit as well. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, so yeah, another one to to keep an eye out for, uh, and I think that will bring us to our last film we're going to talk about, which is Infinity Pool, um, uh, and uh, what to say about this movie. <laughs> Uh, so we've both seen Infinity Pool now, um, and it should be it, clear that we saw the version that's. I assume you went. You saw the version Sundance, not the like the. You didn't go to the Canadian the, the screening for for it in Canada. I saw the version that um, Elevation Pictures sent to me in Canada. Ah. Uh, so are there differences? Talk about, yeah, I'll ask you later. Um, but yes, uh, so it was actually kind of interesting. I read an interview with Brandon Cronenberg and Barry Hertz at uh, Glo- Golden Globes, Globe and Mail, <laughs> the uh-huh. Globe and Mail, and they were talking about how um, so Sundance audiences basically got the full what they would call an NC seventeen, but just like the full kind of version. Canadian cinemas, though, they had to get an R rating cut. So there's one specific scene that didn't make it into the Canadian uh, cinemas, but it will be on home release in Canada. Uh, 
I can think of a couple of scenes that would need to be cut from the version I saw to make it an R. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I'm I'm curious what how what you saw because if you saw um a link, that's a little bit different than. Yeah, I'm curious. Anyways. Yeah, I got I, I missed I saw so that one. I missed the window. Like it was one of the ones where when I was booking the movies I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't immediately go for it because I knew it was going to be coming out, and I thought we might cover it on the podcast. But then um, uh, someone silly, on the though, po- isn't it? Some I, someone on the podcast I suggested I suggested it, and someone else on the podcast was like hard pass. I'm not doing another body horror thing. <laughs> and as and as a that, member of this team now, I can and that move that person will 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 remain un, unnamed for <laughs> you know to preserve their anonymity. Um, so at that point, it was too late to get tickets, so I just contacted our local rep and was like, "Hey, can I can I watch this movie, please?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure." Um, but basically, um, Infinity Pool stars, um. Alexander Skarsgård uh, as a man who uh, basically a failed writer who's on vacation with his rich spouse or his rich wife at this uber luxury resort in a fictional Central American country, I think. Um, they, they don't really actually say. They, they don't really say. And I, and I know it was filmed it's, they, it's in. Foreign. Yeah, like a it's foreign island. <laughs> it's filmed in Croatia, but everyone has Hispanic names and speaks Spanish. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, they they meet another couple, uh, the woman of which is played by Mia Goth. And they get into some trouble. And it turns out <laughs> like it's 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 hard to speak. It's hard to speak about this no, movie this, without I think this is this is this is fine because like this is all in um this is all the setup is, yeah yeah like this is part of the so, synopsis and things like that so yeah they get into trouble and on the way back from an excursion they hit a local man and it turns out mm-hmm. and kill him and it turns out that in the local justice system if you kill someone the punishment is that that person's firstborn son can kill you back which is a just super interesting. Um, but then it also turns out that if you are rich enough, you can pay to have a clone made and then the firstborn son can kill the shit out of that clone. Mm-hmm. And, but on the condition that you have to watch. Yeah. But on the, executed. on the condition that you must witness and, um, it just, it goes places after that. <laughs> I, there's a podcast I listen to. Too. Um, I, I, I don't listen to many podcasts but like there's one movie one that I listen to is about three American film critics and the plot literally as you just described it got described to him and he's just like what the fuck? <laughs> like what yeah. kind of a premise is that? I'll, I'll tell you what kind of a premise it is it's a super interesting one it is, it's, yeah. it's uh, a super interesting idea because the rest of the movie is basically it turns out that although Alexander Skarsgård is only there for the first time that Mia Goth and her whole cadre of friends come every year specifically to do crimes, do heinous crimes, and then watch their doubles get murdered. And they basically want to like indoctrinate him. Um, and so they do things, they do things and it goes places. They do lots of things. Yes. They do lots and lots and lots of things there. It's not the, um, it's not exactly the body horror that I think that 
No, that yeah. unnamed person was worried it was going to be, but it is definitely a <laughs> fucked up movie. Like, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's. I want to say also Amanda Bruegel is a is in it, who is a fantastic Canadian actress, and um, yeah, I was like seeing her pop up and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because you know Brandon Cronenberg, obviously son of mm-hmm. David Cronenberg, and Canadian. Um, there's actually most of the people in this. It's basically like Mia, Go- Mia Goth is English and Alexander Skarsgård is uh, Swedish and basically everyone else is Canadian, uh, which yeah. is kind of great. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say I will never, never quite look at Amanda Bruegel the same way again. No. <laughs> <laughs> or really anyone in the movie, though. Like It's already a thing that Mia Goth is the, the reigning queen of horror. Uh, and it's already a thing that Alexander Skarsgård will do just about anything on anything. camera. Um, yeah, but man, it was... It just seems to me, you ask him to do something, he'll be like, yes. And, like, did you see the publicity photos when, like, they had the dog collar and he just was like, yeah, and he put it on and just got down on all fours and Mia Goth, and, like, they're just and standing she, yeah, she in, would... in a, in and a fresh she... line. Like, and they're just yeah. taking their picture. I was like, damn. Yeah. Good um, Yeah. Uh, so they, they're both... Between them, they're both... Some of game them, for anything, the two. yeah, game for anything. Some of the most adventurous performers there is, and Very much so. um, but like, no, there. I've seen some of the other people in this movie before, but I again, I will never look at any of them the same way again. <laughs> uh, and because some of the some of the scenes are pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. um, I can't tell you what my favorite scene is just because it would be a pretty major spoiler. Um, but. Uh, Everyone is game for what's going on, and it's shot in such an interesting, weird, psychedelic way. I would honestly say it's definitely worth watching. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a little, a little shallow in terms of the like social commentary that it's going for. Like, it's definitely maxed out on the the weirdness, uh, and I don't want to say gore. Gore is the wrong word, but just the, like. It definitely goes, Gross. yeah, it definitely goes further into certain things than you would expect it to, except the, except for the most, probably the most important part, which would be the, like, the social satire, uh, the social commentary that it's trying to yeah. say. Not that it doesn't say anything, just that, like, it's the, it's the, it's the thinnest version of what it's trying to say, unfortunately. But that doesn't make it a bad movie. It just means that, no. like, it's not as it's not it's not a truly great movie either. But it is a good movie, <laughs> and it is interesting and weird and fucked up. And I never saw Possessor, but this is a, a much better made movie than Antiviral, which, for the record, I liked. Um, yeah. But he can definitely tell that he's progressing. Brandon Cronenberg is pro- progressing as a filmmaker. So. I'll say a few things. Um, firstly, the what you said about the, the kind of the, how shallow and superficial his the themes, kind of the way he explores. Yeah, themes. I'm just gonna plug my own review here. I'd exclaim. Um, but I basically <laughs> had written in there that and I was quite proud of it. I was like, I was like, this is a great little line that I threw into my review. But I basically had written that um, it's like he gets a lot of hits. Like he he nails each hit and it's like a single every time, but he never hits a home run with any of them. Like he yeah. never actually lands what something is about. And there are some fascinating themes throughout the whole movie, but he just doesn't doesn't go for it that much, which is fine. Like that's that's kind of maybe that's not the point, but it is kind of the point of the movie. But for me, that kind of took away a bit of what 
you could go from like you said it, um, a good movie to a great movie like if they had just kind of pushed that a little bit more um and then oh one thing that i found was interesting was a lot of people are painting it as like a skewer the rich kind of movie similar to triangle of sadness the menu glass onion because we've been getting a lot of that lately white lotus is another one that like everyone's talking about that but to me it's not about rich it's not i mean it is in the sense that you need to be rich in order to access this thing but to me what the film was more about was about like what would you do if you were faced with no consequences like what what where's your morality at when you can literally do whatever it is that you want free from consequence like you have your your literal get out of free jail no get out of jail free card like you literally have that card to play um what would you do in the face of that and that to me was the most interesting question that the movie raises and they do show it and it's it's quite good but um but yeah i i found the movie i'm with you like i think it's a good movie it's not a great movie i think it's his brandon cronenberg's nicest looking movie um not necessarily like because stuff stuff is gross but it's gorgeously shot though like it's gorgeously shot it's so beautifully shot and um like you said it shows like a real progression from him as a filmmaker from antiviral to possessor to this film um and i think it's it's a it's a really lovely actually um journey through his uh portfolio or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. um so i think it's it's probably his most gorgeously shot film uh and so i I, and i like seeing that like i like seeing this filmmaker who's i'd say he's still young like i think he still has many years ahead of him to make movies um, but it's definitely each movie he makes, I think gets better, even though I know some people are, have been saying like, they think Possessor is a better movie than this one. I try, I've been trying to stop doing those comparisons amongst like a director's films. Cause I'm just like, it's a different movie. So I don't know if it's how fair it is to compare, but I think technically speaking, I do think this one's probably his best one. I mean, I think all, uh, again, I haven't seen Possessor, but so of the two Brandon Cronenberg films that I have seen, like, mm-hmm there's no small switch. Like he's never shooting for a single, like he's always swinging for the fences. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that there's value in that, whether he succeeds or not. So I, since analogies continuing on here, that's great. I mean, any, anytime you, you want to bring up baseball is totally fine. Um, especially if Simon's around because he has a deep understanding of that game just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's value in, you know, we need we need artists who are always taking the big swings, right? Um, yeah, it's true. it's totally fine to have, and I'm a big proponent of movies that are comfortable and easy and are a fine Saturday afternoon type of movie, like The Pod Generation, which I feel really is like at best swinging for a double, right? Like it's yeah. they're just it's, happy to be on base. Just yeah, exactly. Whereas this, like, I I don't think it's I don't think it succeeds, but like I think it is taking a big swing. And I think that that yeah. has value. I don't think anybody could ever accuse Brandon Cronenberg of not being an ambitious filmmaker. Like he, he's and and he's got confidence in the way that he approaches his stuff too. Like he, I think you can see it. Like he's got a lot of commitment to the cause of what he's going to do and how he's going to put it out there. Um, I really like him as a filmmaker. I think, and I think he's done a good job of while following his father in a similar genre. I think he's done a good job of making a very distinct kind of section of quote unquote body horror. But like you said, this film doesn't have any, not really have any, 
but it's not really a body horror movie. No, the, I mean, sense of the doubling and that kind of thing, like you can consider that maybe body horror ish, but it's it's not. I mean, yeah, the camera, movie. the camera doesn't like ever pull away from people being killed, but it's not. Yeah. It's not exactly. It's, it's not, not a body horror. It's not body it's horror, just, right? No, it's yeah. it's not like purposeful mutilation or anything like that. It's just yeah. it just this yeah. just the camera never looks away. Yeah, and I, even I when it if, and in the in yeah. the few times where it does look away, it's like it's drenched in this psychedelic haze yeah. and multiple overlapping <laughs> pictures where like you maybe you didn't really want it to look away. <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah yeah. I wonder if we just kind of keep putting the, I mean, Possessor is very firmly a body horror movie and antiviral is too, I'd say, but like, I wonder if we just kind of assume that everything he does is going to be body horror because of, well, his other movies, but also because of who he, who his, what his last Yeah, I mean, is. and that's, uh, and that's not even fair because I think yeah. many of David Cronenberg's best films aren't, Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, he stopped doing, um, body horror movies like a, he, he went what 20 some odd years not doing a body horror movie like crimes of the future crimes of the future Pat? Yeah. No, crimes of the future this year yeah crimes last of year the future thank you um yeah that was his first body horror movie in yeah i think 20 years in ages yeah. yeah and in the meantime he's been guest starring on star trek which has been great and maybe we get brandon as well <laughs> um but yeah i think i think infinity pool is definitely worth seeking worth out watching definitely worth watching it's not gonna be for everybody but yeah it's definitely worth seeking out yeah i will say the one the one thing i'm actually legitimately worried about is i am sure that social media is going to be full of clips and memes of mia goth going james you little baby man like (laughs) i love when she said jamesy like i could not get over that i thought it was the funniest thing in the world because i'm like your voice is so effing annoying but i'm like but please don't stop. Like, this is so funny. This is amazing. And she, yeah. I say also, I, this is besides the point, but like, they really glammed her up in this movie. Like, she's quite glamorous looking. Um, oh, she's stunning in this movie. Absolutely stunning. And like, I, I love that though. I think she's got, yeah, we barely even talked about Mia Goth in this one. Like, but she's, she's an incredible, incredible actress. And I think like, probably one of the more interesting actresses working today, I would say. And honestly, at this point, and I, I say this as someone who didn't really connect with X. Um, I loved Pearl, but I did not really connect with X. Mm-hmm. But like, if I, I find her a little bit terrifying now, after Suspiria and Pearl yeah. and this, I think if I were to like see her in the street, I'd be like, ha, hey, you're a famous person and you're super beautiful and I'm going to be over as far away that way as I can be because yeah. you are terrifying to me. Um, her eyes. Her eyes are very... Yeah. See something. She has that same quality that Anya Taylor Joy does in that she's at the set all at once extremely beautiful, but has such a unique look that it's a little bit off putting. Alien like. They're kinda alien like looking. Yeah. In the and I I would throw um Robert Pattinson into that too, where they're very good looking people, but they're kinda alien looking. I don't think Robert Pattinson's alien looking. He just has a face like a shovel. He's I think he's such an alien looking man. Like he's, he's, I, he, he, um, confuses me as to why I find him attractive. Cause I'm just like, why do I find you attractive? I don't, I don't get it. It's cause he, it's cause he doesn't care if you do or not. That's all it is. Yeah, that's true. That is yeah. true. Anyway, well that's Infinity War. Uh, 
and uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. It is kind of Infinity War in a way. It's Infinity Pool. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a very strange trilogy they're working on. It's all psychic. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, I think that's where we're gonna wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? No, because we've already um, this is already almost double our normal episode length, so we should probably yeah. wrap it up. No, um, thanks for having me on, though. No, thanks for being on again. You're just part of the team now, um, <laughs> so that's uh, that's what's happening. Um, I think again, I think this I this is my first Sundance, and I had a good time covering it. And uh, I know I've seen a lot of people talking about how it wasn't as good a Sundance as it's been in the past, but I, I watched mostly good movies, so I'm pretty happy. How about you? Yeah, I kind of fall into that former camp where I, I wasn't, I don't know, I was struggling a bit to find things that I really loved. And even the movies that I've come away being like, I like them. I think there's only three that I saw that I was like, yeah, I, I genuinely really, really, really like these movies. And um, would watch them again kind of thing um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah there's not there hadn't been that many and this is only my second one but my first Sundance last year's I came away with like two movies that I was sure that I'm like these are going to be some of my favorite movies of all time kind of thing oh, wow. sure enough they continue to be and and then fresh which I uh, apparently can't stop talking about today um, but yeah I found last year's I just found more I connected more to last year's lineup than what I did this year, which is a bit unfortunate. But fair enough. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Just, just always next year, uh, yeah. and you'll—it's not like last year's going to go away. So it's true. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, well, let's wrap it up there. Thank you so much for being on the show, Rachel. Where can people find you? Uh, do do where can people find me? You can um, all of my stuff is at rachelkh.com and then on Twitter and Instagram at underscore rachelkh. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at smatthewaf, and you can find the show on both things at awesome friday ca. Uh, if you're new here, thank you for joining us. Uh, we would love it if you stuck around, and if you're not new here, thank you for sticking around. We love each and every one of you. Uh, if you would like to support us, feel free to consider to give us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice or multiple podcasting platforms. I don't know, whatever. You do you. Um, uh, or like, subscribe, tell your friends. And if you'd like to support us a little more directly, we do have a Patreon and that'll be in the show notes. Uh, we record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish peoples and also... I'm recording on the land within the jurisdiction of the Williams Treaties and on the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Scugog Island First Nations, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. Excellent. Um, and that is our show. Uh, thank you for joining us on this special bonus episode of Awesome Friday on a Tuesday, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.